Well, good evening. I'm so glad you're here tonight. Thank you for coming out to Fight for Your Family. We're starting a brand new series tonight. And if you're familiar with Fight for Your Family, this is the ministry of Bellevue, where we're trying to resource marriage and parenting. And the, um, just the, the fun of it and just the background of it comes out of the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah was at a point where he was doing a great thing, leading the people to do a great work, but he faced an enemy. And the enemy came in to try to stop what they were doing. And he stopped all the work at one point and said this to the people. Would you all read this with me off the screen? Nehemiah 4.14, it says this, Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. And we recognize today in the culture we're in, we have an enemy who's against marriage. And so tonight we're starting a series that'll last for four weeks in which we're trying to resource all of us to better understand how to be godly husbands and godly wives. So our, not only will our, our marriage flourish, but also we'll be able to cherish our husbands and wives. So thankful for that. And I'm so glad to introduce you all to friends of mine. I'm going to introduce John and Sue Damaris. Uh, they've been a part of our church for, for decades and been friends of our church. And uh, just wise counsel, love the Lord, love their family. And so if you would, I'm going to pray for us. When I finish praying, John and Sue will come up and we'll look forward to hearing from you guys tonight. Let me pray for us. Well, Father, we praise your name and we thank you so much, Lord, for who you are. We invite you into tonight's series. And I thank you for John and Sue. I pray that you'd bless them, fill them with your Holy Spirit. And I pray for each of us in the room that we would hear exactly, Lord, what you want us to hear tonight about marriage from a biblical perspective. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Would you help me welcome John and Sue? Hey, before we start, I just want to let you all know that this definitely isn't the John and Sue show. It's, um, there are a lot of people in this church when we first got here in 1999 that played a vital role in, uh, in our lives. And if they, if God had them placed them there, I don't know where we'd be. But um, we walked into a very large church. We came from New Hampshire, and uh, we, came, we uh, walked into a very large church and uh, didn't know what to do. I mean, it was, uh, am I okay speaking-wise? I'll bring it up. I don't have that kind of voice. So <laughs> I'll do the best I can. We, so we I just want to let you all... Uh, the drive-through, and they can never understand Yeah, <laughs> there's something about my voice that the drive-through cannot hear. So it's, it's uh, you wouldn't believe how many times. And we laugh about it. We just, I look at her and I just start laughing. Yelling over them. We won! <laughs> it's just crazy. All right. She didn't have any coffee either, so this is pretty cool. So anyway, um, you know, just, just to let you know, I mean, this is really all about Jesus and, uh, and really playing a vital role in our lives. But um, So let's jump right into it right now. You know, many of us have vowed to love and cherish our spouse on our wedding day. We all remember that? You know, uh, you know, the thing about a wedding day is <coughs> all I remember is this is what I had to say. Would this, With this would, ring? Would, see? See? Would this <laughs> ring? Would this ring I be wed? I said it a million times. <laughs> trying to remember, would this ring I be wed? Would yeah. this ring I be yeah. wed? And um, I don't remember her coming down the aisle. I don't remember talking to her. All I remember is getting those words out of my mouth. So it kind of ruined it a little bit, but um, I'm sure a lot of you... He did get them out. I did. Not today, but then. I didn't practice today. So um, what's interesting about that is a lot of times now you see people coming down the aisle and they've got the camera on the... the, the, um, the bride and also one on the groom and the groom's expression and all that stuff. 
we didn't have any of that back in the 70s. You know, we got married in 1977, so we didn't have any of that stuff. So anyway, it's all new now. But over the next four weeks, all right, we're going to take a look at what it means to really cherish your spouse. So we're going to give a brief testimony, a real brief one. But uh, we were high school sweethearts. I, I saw Sue in my freshman year of high school walking through the commons room. And uh, we were, I was just a you know, young kid and watched her walk by and went, whoa. I mean, that's what it was. And a friend of mine said, oh, she's dating somebody, or he was dating her or whatever. So I ignored her, ignored the whole thing for a couple years. And then in our junior year, we met, and we have been together ever since. So it's been a long time. So we'll be uh, celebrating next year our 47th, our 47th uh, wedding anniversary. So anyway, we're both from New Hampshire. We're high school sweethearts. We got married at 19 and 18. You can imagine what our parents must have thought. Uh, they were not happy at all, and uh, things did not go that well. And I'll give you one little tidbit. This isn't in the notes, but I'll tell you, give you one little tidbit that we were, this is a, a Dave Ramsey class, but we were short on a four-week month, and we had a little extra on a five-week month. That's how we started. All right, pretty interesting. And um, That was our budget. That was our budget, and uh, I don't know if you want to call it a budget. We broke the penny bank to go to McDonald's yeah. from yeah. the we, uh, we ended up uh, buying our first home, and I was uh, blessed to have a very, very, very good job. And, um, and I saw three guys in, a, uh, in an office that worked for me. Every lunchtime, they would have a Bible study. Sue and I, neither one of us went to church. All right, We weren't raised in church. We didn't know anything, really anything about church. Not to say we never went. We did on occasion, but very seldom. I was raised Catholic, and up in New Hampshire, we would say she was raised Protestant. That's how we did it, not Baptist or anything like that. We had Protestant and Catholic, and that's how it was divided up in New Hampshire. So that created a little problem for the family, too, because, oh, my goodness, you married a you Protestant. Romeo and Juliet. That, that was that us. Was so it was kind of crazy because, um, you know, my parents are Catholic and they couldn't believe I was marrying Protestant, vice versa. So it was, it was kind of a mess. So these guys that were in this office um, going through a Bible study, I actually would go in and kind of kid with them a little bit, almost make fun of them while they were doing this. You know, like, come on, what are you doing? But then I also had questions, like we all do, right? We all have questions. And... Um, I started asking, and they would answer in a way that uh, they could cross-reference their answers. They would go into one book and then flip over to another book, which totally amazed me. So I started asking more questions until one point I knew that I had to do something. I had to either run to the Lord or run away. And uh, I came home one day and told Sue that we were, uh, we were going to start going to church. And it was Bethel Baptist Church. And she looked at me and said, are you kidding? You know, are you serious? And we went into that church, and the first sermon was on communication, right? How to communicate, How to, communicate we to your spouse. <coughs> so God really spoke to us, and we got saved that day. Now, the couples that invited us were sitting, not communication. That's not what they want to hear, right? Isn't that how we all are? You know, we want God to do exactly what we want to do. And instead, it changed, and we both got saved, baptized the following week together. And where we got baptized, you would share your testimony 
in the baptismal, in the right? Yeah. So it was pretty cool. So you could take as long as you wanted. And so both of us spoke and we were baptized. And um, so that's kind of a little, and we'll get into it a little bit more, but that's kind of a little deal with, with the two of us in, in our testimony. We do have two children. Um, our daughter, Kristen, she's a high school English teacher at um, Briarcrest. Her husband's also an English teacher, and they have three girls. And one of them actually works here uh, part-time in finance, but she's a senior in college majoring in that accounting. Um, our son, JD, is, um, is an, uh, an IT engineer at FedEx. His wife homeschools, and they have five kids. So we have eight grandchildren, and praise God, they all go to Bellevue. And uh, they're all here right now. In fact, a lot of them are actually serving in the uh, fellowship hall uh, right now. We just went to see them. So um, God's been good. And, uh, and let me tell you, it has nothing to do with us. I can, I can share that with you right now. It has everything to do with God's grace. And um, so with all that said, you know, here we are, and, and I'll share a little bit more with you about how we got here from New Hampshire to Tennessee, but let me ask you this, and that's why we're here. How would you define cherishing someone or something? And by the way, you can interrupt me anytime you want. You can talk anytime you want. I want this class to be able to be able to go back and forth and have a little bit of feedback, all right? I can learn from you. You wouldn't believe how much I can learn from a class, and I'll take as much in as I can. I like to be a sponge. So how would you define cherishing something or someone? Enjoy their company. Enjoy their company. Show them you enjoy their company, right? That's really big, right? They actually know that you're happy that you're with them, right? That's kind of cool. Treasure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Treasure is probably her little deal right here. Somebody else? Come on, you can do this. You value, yeah, that's a big one. Yeah, what else? Appreciate, yeah. They're all big words, huh? What's that? Respect, yeah. Well, you know, we, Sue and I um, are retired, all right? We've been retired for a couple years, and we lived down in Laguna Beach, Florida for three months in the wintertime, January, February, and March. So we get, we have, we have, uh, it's fun, huh? Everybody can nod, yeah, that's cool. All right, we're snowbirds. And we've done this, this is our second year, and um, who would have thought, you know, that uh, we'd be doing this, but it's been awesome. But we're, we're about four miles from Panama City Beach, and there was a big car show there. And I know you saw the pictures because I was going through them a second ago. But um, I'm going to show you a couple of them. I'm a Volkswagen guy. I love Volkswagens. All right? So I had a Volkswagen thing when we first got married. That was our family car. You know, picture this. I've got a Volkswagen thing, and we just had our first child, and um, the, the nurse brings... The, the child down, Kristen, down to the car. She's sitting in the front seat, and they hand you the baby and say, hold tight. Yeah. That's it. There's no car seats no back car then, seat. right? And I'm like, don't go over anymore. Yeah, seat belts. Okay, here's another one right here. This is actually a replica that the guy did. It was pretty cool. And um, this is a, a 50s Corvette. And... Um, Here's another one. It's a, I think that's a Dodge Valiant. 
And of course, there's another Volkswagen. I can't help myself. I'll leave it right there. Now, one thing I noticed when we were, when we were at this car show, the guys would sit right next to their cars in their chair. The car's right there. They have their arms crossed, and they were beaming, absolutely beaming, because that's their baby. That's their treasure. They appreciate it, right? They're that's, wiping it down. Oh, a speck, sure a speck no gun on it. No fingerprints, no fingerprints on it, don't touch it. Right. So obviously the word cherish really falls into place at this car show. Could be a lot of other things too. Yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, I just it kind of hit me when we were walking around this. Now Sue's got something yeah. she wants to show so you. The, so guys can relate to cars, but I thought women could relate to mm. flying China. This is my mom's. When she got married, this was their set of dishes. It was, um, it's a bone china. You're supposed to be able to see right through it. And um, made in England. And my mom had been sitting all, the, all displayed in her china cabinet um, for years. And honestly, when she passed away, I inherited it. And I planned to give it to my grand, one of my granddaughters. Um, but honestly, I don't think she ever drank out of it. If it was set, you know, she was afraid that it was so fragile it would break. So she protected it. You know, and, and then put it, set it out on display for all to see. But we did, didn't dare use it in case it should break, you know, that she would lose the spot. And that is, you know, to her, this is treasure. I don't think this cup is now 65 years old. I don't think it will ever be as treasured as it was, you know, with my mom. Okay. All right. So, and now... I have to figure out what to do with this stuff. <laughs> All right? Thought I'd throw that in there because now I've got this bone china that we have all boxed up in the garage, yeah. right? Yeah. That someday will go to a grandchild or a daughter or whatever, and I don't know what she's going to do with it either. Isn't it amazing how things change? Yeah. Sterling silver, all these things you were given, you know, we were given when we were uh, first married, are now not cherished anymore. You know, but it was at one time, so things can change a little bit. You know, Webster's Dictionary defines cherish as to hold dear, to feel or show affection for, to keep or cultivate with care and affection. You know, I think of a garden, you know, when you're, when you're working in a garden. I've got a vegetable garden on our property, and uh, there's a lot of cultivation going on. Total, always weeding, taking the stuff out. <coughs> and to entertain or harbor in the mind deeply and resolutely. So, you know, so think for a moment, in the, in, you know, in your wedding, when the bride walks down the aisle towards the groom, think back for a moment on that day you got married. What were you thinking about your soon-to-be spouse? Or like me, I wasn't. And I'll tell you, I really wasn't thinking that. I was thinking in the words I had to say. Done. Let's just get this done and get out of here. And by the way, it was in the middle of a snowstorm in New Hampshire. I think we had over a foot of snow. It was a nor'easter. Yeah, at, the, uh, at, the, at our wedding. But anyway, what were you thinking? Can anybody share what you were thinking at that point? <laughs> what did I get myself into or what? Yeah, how about anybody else? What were you thinking? Come on. 
Y'all were thinking something. So you're like, are you guys legally married? Yeah, no, it would be a springboard. Amen. <laughs> no, that's good. Anybody else? Go ahead. Yeah, right at your wedding he said that. Yeah. Yeah, right at your wedding. When it's bad, it's bad. Yeah, yeah. How many of you are all in? That's all you could think of. I am all in. We have finally reached this point. You know, I am I'm I'm committed at that point. I was. I mean, he might have been practicing his lines, but I was like, I am going to do this, and I'm going to do it right. I had already gone through the, oh, is this going to work? Are we, is this reality? I had already committed that, yep, you know, John said, we are going to be okay. And I was like, okay. And I was all in. So. I think you had, did you had, what were you going to say? Yeah, wow. That's good. That's good. Anyone else? What if you never met your brother? Because I was there with my mother and her sister, and my wife had fifty or sixty kids. And I grew up poor in a poor neighborhood, and she 
she grew up going to Hardin Academy with a really good Christian family. And sometimes today I still think, am I good enough? I know God says I am, but sometimes I keep my own foot on my own neck and say, no, you're really not. So, yeah. I was, and, and another thing was, how long am I going to keep lying? I went into my marriage with a messed up way of thinking. Uh, just as I met my wife, I got out of prison as well. I just got out of prison, federal prison, and met this girl. When I was in prison, I was praying, Lord, that we could find someone that wasn't from my neighborhood, someone that wasn't a drug addict, someone that had a good Christian family, and I got all of them. And a whole lot more came with it that now I see Six months, we were pregnant, getting a finding a new house, and getting married. So we never had the honeymoon. We never got to know each other. And so I don't know if that makes sense as well. So that's truly why I'm here tonight because I don't want to call it Oh, yeah. that's so sweet. So, Iron sharpens well, iron, man. You get every girl in here with a tear in her eye. I will not probably think that. I don't know. I'm coming here to find other things. But you know what? God is going to honor that. God is going to honor that. You know, you're saying, I don't know, but I'm here. I'm going to give it a try. And you know what? God's going to bless that. But don't put me on a pedestal. No, we won't. No. We'll leave God to do that. I don't think I am. I think I am, but. Yeah. Right. That's cool. Well, you know, God honored is honoring your spouse. Can I, right? just, can I just add a little bit there? Sure. You know, and <laughs> because honestly, we didn't have it together either. You know, we were, six, like you said, 18 and 19. Our parents said, you've made your bed, you lie in it. We're washing our hands of you. And, um, you know, we did the best we could, you know, for five or six years and then that's when John said let's let's go to church and by that time God like you because we we didn't have any role models we came from dysfunctional families we didn't have any support um so we went to church and I swear the Lord just sat two knuckleheads down and said this is what you need to do and we said okay and God blessed that he honored it and I'm sure that above and beyond heart the way it is that's all he needs is a heart that's willing to say, okay, whatever your will be done. A heart that's willing to be here tonight, right? Yeah. Amen. Yeah. So. But, you know, we're, we're going to discuss this right now, that God honors, you know, um, honoring your spouse on both sides, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, um, let, me just, let me just tell this little story here. Um, we'll continue on our testimony just a little bit. But I was the kind of guy that... I really felt, as the kids were little, that I needed to be home at 5 o'clock every day. All right? When I got out of work, I needed to leave and go home. All right? Not go out with the guys. Not um, this one I saved, by the way. It was the other way around before. But I needed to be home at 5 o'clock or 4.30, whatever time I got out of work. I would come right home. And we would have dinner with the family. All the way up till they were in college, we would still have our daughter commuted uh, back and forth, and we would have dinner with the family. It was a big deal for me, all right, that I was always there. Number one, it was cherishing my wife because she had been with the kids all day and doing stuff and all that, and I wanted to be home for her. 
But the other thing is, I got a lot of flack from that. I would get out of work at, work at five, and my, my position, the job that I had, I was director of operations for Oasis Imaging. We were based in New Hampshire. I had sites all around the US and Canada and Europe, and I was all over the place. But that particular job, I would leave at, every day at five o'clock, unless I was traveling. And um, the guys that I worked with, some of the VPs and all that, would yell out the window, hey, it's five, it must be time to go home, right? Now, I got along with these guys who were good friends and all that, but they just had to jab me. They had to make fun of that, that I was leaving and I wanted to be home. The interesting thing about that is, in 1999, Sue and I were in Florida and I got a, a call from the owner of the company saying, I need to talk to you right away. I just talked with the banks. This company was a startup and it was growing leaps and bounds. It was out of control. It was just really booming. And uh, he said, I really need to talk to you as soon as you get home. So we get back, I went to his office and said, and this is what he told me. He looked right at me and said, I talked with the banks. We need to close all of our distribution and manufacturing sites throughout the US. You need to find a place to move it to. And that's all I get to say. And so he told all the VPs and everybody, the only one that can do it is John, the guy that left at five o'clock every day. So when you think about that for a minute, honoring your wife and your family, you know, we say fight for your families. When you think about that, it wasn't about my boss and making him happy. It wasn't about my, my peers and making them happy. It was all about Jesus and my wife and my kids. All right, I had to do what I had to do and honor them. And so I left every day at five o'clock and now I find myself moving the company and all of them getting laid off. And you know, Memphis was the, was the spot. We found Memphis, we came here and uh, our daughter was in college, just graduated from college. Our son was in college in New York. We moved down here with no kids. And let me tell you, it was a nightmare. And if it wasn't for these two right here, and a group of other people in the Sunday school class um, that embraced us when we walked into this building. I don't know what would have happened, you know? But God has a plan and he has people to use and it's just the coolest thing, right? I could go on for hours on that. So anyway, let's start with, we're gonna turn to Song of Solomon, uh, chapter six, verse nine. It's one verse. Let me uh, bring this down a little bit so I can read it. That marriage will take off when a wife hears from her husband, my dove, my perfect one, is the only one. See, this also applies in the other direction, you know, from wife to husband, from husband to wife. My dove, my perfect one, is the only one. This verse is saying, I don't want to be with anybody else. I'm never comparing you to anyone else. I love you for the way you are. And you know, that's a tough thing for a lot of men that go out into the workforce who have women talking to them all the time. Happens every day. It can happen in this church. You know, you just, you, you meet up with somebody, you start talking with them. This verse is saying, I don't want you to be with anyone else. I'm never comparing you to anyone else. I love you the way you are. So with that said, listen to this now. Can you name three things all right, it's gonna be a little difficult here. Off the top of your head that you can see in your spouse 
and appreciate that they are unique. No one else that you know has these qualities. All right, and I'm going to start. I'll start. That's that's for the first three. You got that on there? Right here, you can list them here. We're you don't have to say them. You, you don't have to say them out loud. We just want you to write them down. You guys can share them later on, you know, um, maybe at midnight, bedtime tonight, or wherever. Oh, the verse Solomon 6, chapter 6, verse 9. Song of Solomon. Song of Solomon. Um, but anyway... We thought we'd share ours, just a few Just to make you think a little just bit. Just to kind of get your minds jogging while you're thinking about your list there. So, so listen to this now before you start writing. So here are mine. And, uh, and so it's, when I come home, when I came home from work every day, the garage door would open and she's standing there. Now, I don't know how many husbands can say that. I'm not sure. But she made it her deal that when that garage door opened, I don't care where she was in that house, that she opened the door and she was standing there. Didn't that make me want to come home? Think about it. I mean, I just couldn't wait to get home. Get out, get out of work at 5 o'clock and I'm going home because I know who's going to be waiting for me. And it was a big deal for me. One other thing, I'm a bit of a neat freak. All right, so my whole thing was... I like the house picked up. I don't care what it looks like when I'm gone. But when I get home, I like it picked up. I just like a clean house, all right? Now, some husbands might be like that in here, and wives are stay-at-home moms, but you don't think about it. She did, all right? She really did. And so when I would get home, the house was immaculate. It was just something that she always had. And one other little, and these can be little things, but in the, in the, in the bathroom, she, uh, she will um, put a towel and a face cloth over the shower thing every day for me. I walk in to take a shower, there it is. It's just like clockwork. Once in a while, she'll forget, and I'm, I'm thinking it's there. And I just took a shower. It's like, oh, I'm in trouble. Sue, and she's like, oh, my goodness, I forgot. Uh, <laughs> the older we get, right? Yeah. And, um, and then the other one that and this one really is important at this stage of our lives, is she's very intentional about our kids and our grandkids. And what I mean about that is, you know, I've worked all my life. We're retired now. I need a little break sometimes. And I need her to push me on this because the grandkids love to come over. You know, the kids love to come over. So we've got to make sure that we're constantly doing it. But if it wasn't for Sue, it wouldn't be, it'd be far and few between. It would just be on occasion I would have them because that's just the way I'm wired, you know, and she's not. So those, four, I put four things and I probably could keep adding, but those four things, the three things at the top of my head that I just appreciate her yeah. for. I have right. to share one. Um, my, our father, John's dad, my father-in-law, was, he was a man that worshipped his wife. And, and cherished his wife. Cherished his wife. And um, I, this is, you know, when John mentioned something about it can be just a little thing, he once said to me, I love my wife because she shares the biggest pork chop with me. <laughs> and I'm telling you, I had the hardest time not to smile and keep, to keep a straight face, you know, because I thought, but, you know, he was, he was brought up in the, in the um, depression. depression. And so, you know, having enough to eat was a big deal to him. 
and it pleased him that his wife wanted to make sure that he got enough to eat, you know, and I just thought that was the cutest thing. But for me, mine were easy. Um, I grew up in a home that was not, um, uh, I can't think of the right word, but anyway, they did not share affirmation, words of affirmation. They were more cutting down everybody else. You know, they would tell you what was wrong, never told you what was right. Um, none, no, never heard I love you, you know, that type of thing in our home. And so that was my original attraction to John because he is always affirming, you know, with you look nice, great dinner, you know, all of that kind of thing. And, uh, and uh, of course, I love you. You know, the, that was important to me. That's what drew me to him originally. Um, he's also a touchy-feely kind of guy. He's always wanting to, you know, in the car, he'll come over and grab my hand. We hold, still hold hands walking down the, the halls and things like that. That was another thing I didn't, I was, I was starving for, that type of affection growing up. And so for him, that just those little, little touches meant a lot to me. So those two things attracted to me right away with him. But the, the great, the, the things now I can say is, you know, as you heard our story, the provider, I knew this man would work his fingers to the bone to provide for my, me and, and any subsequent kids that came along. I knew that. And just a few years ago, he was doing a really, it was in a really bad situation in a job and stuff like that. It was just really tough on him. And I remember him looking at me one day. And well, I had got home, I had, my phone died. And I left at five in the morning, and it was ten at night, and I hadn't gotten home yet because of this. There was a, it was a project I was on. I was in some building that I wasn't familiar with, and I was doing something, and so I finally got home, and um, and she's like, John, where were you, you know? And it's like, you know, I've just I've been working, and I, I told her what I was doing, and I looked at her. I mean, I knew I had to provide, but I could take care of myself. You know what I mean? If, if she wasn't around, you know, I'd have been gone and you know, I'd have bagging groceries somewhere. I don't care what I was doing. But anyway, um, you know, and, and I really meant it, too. It's like, if it wasn't for you. <laughs> and I knew. I always knew that. And so those are the things that I so appreciate him, which is why I clean the house and make sure it's clean, because I know he appreciates that. That's why I greet him at the door. When, he's, when I hear that garage door going up because I'm grateful. You know, I want him to know that I'm grateful he's home. I'm grateful for that, all that he did when, while he was um, working yeah. to provide. And just so you all know, too, I mean, I wasn't like a slacker or something. I didn't clean the house. Now that I'm retired, you know, every morning I make the bed, the bed. immediately. <laughs> In fact, she's a big one of changing the sheets. Yet, she, she changes the sheets every Monday morning. Well, I don't care about that. I'm a guy. I just make the bed. It's Monday. You don't make the bed. I change the sheets. But I just, it's constant, you know, and cleaning the house. And so you've got a helper now, you know, that we're going full blast. All right, so let's continue with what does it mean to cherish your partner? All right. You know, we learned earlier that cherish is described as protecting and caring for some, someone lovingly. This is the literal meaning of cherish, right? Saying I love you in a relationship or a marriage is fine, but here's the deal, guys. It's actions. It's the actions that make feel someone loved. Cherishing someone can be understood as validating the love 
you say you have for your spouse. So it's an action. And, uh, and it's very important that we do that, not just with our spouse, with our kids and grandkids. I mean, tomorrow afternoon, 11 o'clock, we pick up one of our, what we do with our grandkids, this is an empty nesters class, but I'll just share this real quick. We, um, we actually um, will pick up one of the grandchildren for their birthday and take them out for the day. They pick where they want to go eat, they pick what they want to do, they pick what their gift is, and that's what we do for, the, for each grandchild. And, um, but it's a one-on-one -on -one time, right? It's not we're going to a birthday party and there's 50 million people there and we're all going to celebrate Hannah's birthday. It's not that way. We're going to take her away from that and just the three of us spend some time with her. And let me tell you, that is a big deal, you know, with all the grandkids, even the college-aged grandchildren. They just can't wait. The meal's just getting all Although, um, <laughs> it, 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 one of our daughters wanted to go we, to Costco for pizza. We were like, really? Yeah. Said, we, anywhere you want to go. She says, Costco. Let's do it. <laughs> Cost bucks. us like four <laughs> bucks for all of us, right? It was the best thing that could have happened. Now we've got one that's going to college, and she, went, she wanted to go to... Where's that place? What's the steakhouse? The Peabody. Near the, it's right near the Peabody, the steak... Yes, Texas Day Brazil. So that's what we had to, yeah. And that, that bill was a little bit higher. Yeah, a little bit higher than that. Yeah. All right, so we'll can. Can I just jump in sure, for one go second? Ahead. I just want to stress to all you guys the things that we're saying here. I wanted to catch, you know, we, we gave you the definition of secure, which is also very similar to, you know, to love. We know that love is agape love, God's love, and that is an action word, you know, type of thing. 1 Corinthians gives us all the actions that go along with that love. But cherish is too. Cherish is a verb. And um, it's action, you know. And you may not think that you might be fall, falling uh, by the wayside or maybe have, a, you know, things to improve on. But that's just it. It's just like whatever you work at, when you're doing sports, whatever you're wanting to do, diet, whatever it is, it's working at it. You know, it's that action, taking those steps. You, you might be two steps forward and one step back, but as long as you're going forward, you know, and that's just what I want to hold out to you guys. Don't, I don't want you to look at this and say, it's never going to work, you know, kind of thing. We all have a starting point, you know, and we really won't finish until we get there, you know, until Jesus calls us home. So for the rest, and we've got an advocate that will come alongside and help us. You know, and um, and that's why we like to share our stories at the very beginning because we did not have it together. We did not. We had, if anybody, I don't think at our wedding, only he was the one that was certain we were going to make it. You know, out of everybody that was in that, that um, at the wedding. Yeah, all my friends were, you know, they're all there going. Even our parents gave us no hope, you know, and... Um, he convinced me we're going to do this. We'll be okay, and I just finally said, "Okay, let's do it." Praise right. God. Yeah. All right, so um, let's let's just break this down for a minute. So you know that we just went through a little bit of cherish, but finding ways to cherish your spouse, all right, is that can be a little bit challenging, all right. So we're going to give you some ways to do that. All right, we're going to kind of line these up. But I want to, I want to also just touch a little bit. Sue just talking about uh, being a verb and all that. One thing, you know, it's, a lot of times it starts with the obedience. 
you know, just doing the right thing, even though you don't feel it. I'm going to do this, but I don't really feel like doing it. You know, you've been there before? Well, I have. But you know what's interesting about that is, and I, I'll give you, when I first got saved, they talked about tithing. And I really was like, tithing? Okay, what is that all about? You know, okay, I got saved, I go to this church, now you want my money? Right? All right? That's all new to me. And so what happened... I don't have any. Yeah. <laughs> and, so, and so what was interesting about that was it became obedience. All right? We started tithing, and we were obedient to the Lord. But here's what happened. It became a joy. Then the tithing became a joy, and we loved it. Right? We couldn't... You know, we'd see people going on a mission trip and come back and give you stories, and it's like, we were part of that. We actually gave money to that, you know, and God really opened the door for that. So when you're talking about honoring your spouse and, and cherishing your spouse and working on these things, remember a lot of it is obedience. You just got to be obedient. You might not love it at the beginning. You might really struggle. So let's start off with number one is making them feel heard. Making them feel heard. You know, you've got to listen to your spouse. A lot of us talk waiting to answer what the question or the statement that they're or making. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there are times where we both have to say that to each other. Put the phone down. Put we need phone. to talk about this. All right? I don't know how, how you guys are at home, but you know, this thing goes off and we immediately pick it up. It must be my daughter or it's, it's gotta be very this person. Whatever it is, focus in. The two of us. Focus. Get make eye contact. You know, make sure that well, you are hearing what they are saying. And if you don't fully hear or understand, let's say, wait a minute, now I think what you're telling me is, and just get, get clear. So we just went over this, okay? Yeah. If you think everything's perfect, yeah. um, we just not. this just this just happened. So. Um, so I'm an Excel guy and all that stuff, and I love spreadsheets and all that, but we have a new laptop that doesn't use Word. And so we save things to Google Docs and all that. I've never used it, nor do I care to use it. Well, we've got the lesson saved on Google Docs. I can't even find it, because we have another computer in the house that I'm all set on. Just put everything there and I'm good, right? It's all got Windows and stuff. Well, she says, John, all you gotta do is this, 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 and that was it. It's like, wait a minute, that, that's not it. I want you to come over here and show me so I understand it and I will never have to ask you this question again, right? That's the way it's gonna be. So anyway, it got a little feisty there for a few minutes as we were going through this. And we're talking about cherishing one yeah. another tonight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, how do you like that? We're gonna be cherishing one another tonight and I'm ready to take this computer and fling it across the room. Right? So it was pretty funny. And then we started laughing about it, and that's what makes it good. But, uh, but really, feeling hurt. I wasn't feeling heard, right? I had a problem. Yeah. I need help. Mm -hmm. And I don't mind asking a question if I don't understand it. It happened with Tim and I. I'm colorblind, severely. Tim's showing me this thing, and he's highlighting stuff, but I can't see the highlight, right? So I don't mind telling him, I can't see that. I have no clue. 
And he's like, okay, well, see you right there. And we figured it out, right? But, but if, if he would have answered me, well, John, come on, it's right there, and walked away, that's when the frustration comes in, all right? So I've got to be very careful how I ask the question and that kind of thing, right? Because he's looking at me like, what's the problem? I thought y'all doing that, too. Oh, you did? He's, yeah. he's confirming it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was funny. So, <laughs> so anyway, ways to make your uh, spouse feel cherished and appreciated. Number one, making eye contact. Number two, stop what you're doing, put the phone down, focus on what's being said. Validate what, what is being said. Ask the question, you know? I don't, I don't fully understand. So super important that you do that. Emily, how long have you guys been married, you and Josiah? Two and a half years. So this is great for you guys. You know, when, you're, when you've been married 30 or 40 years or 50 years, you know, it's like, uh-oh. Hey, we all have a starting we gotta, point. We got to, right? We got to, you know, but the starting point at two and a half is really awesome, you know? <laughs> so number two, this is super important, public display of affection. Well, someone, and he, you know, and I think Tim can vouch for this, but when you see me in the church, you normally see her, all right? We're probably holding hands walking down the hallway. That's just the way, we, and we want our kids to see that, and we want our grandkids to see it. It's okay to kiss your, the grandmother in front of the grandkids. Don't ever think it's not. They need that, and boy, do they need it, yeah. all right? They need to see you hug and all of that. For those that you have younger kids at home, one thing we always did at, at the not always, but at the dinner table on occasion, because some of our kids were coming home and their friends were, parents were divorcing and things like that, getting divorces and stuff like that. And we would take each other's hands sometimes, oftentimes at the table, when we'd have these discussions, I'd say, we would say, you never have to worry about mom and dad. You never have to worry. You know, yeah. and that, and they would roll their eyes, oh, you know, kind of thing. But I know. It's more important that than that, you all think, believe me. The third one is cherishing their efforts, and that's a big one. Um, we don't tend to do that a lot, is acknowledge your spouse's efforts towards your marriage life and attempt to aid, and this is big, to aid and help them in some way. Yeah. We all need help in some areas. And, um, and, you know, and then the job that we're doing, you know, uh, whatever the job might be, it's like, man, so you did a great job. I'll give you one little example. You know, you know, and with the grandkids, I love them to come over, but I don't want to come over every day, right? And we had tear up the house. To tear up the house. And we, we, uh, we had the, the grandkids uh, come over last year. We had just got back from the beach, and we collected all these shells, and Sue bought these little, like, jewelry boxes and with, they had glue and all that stuff, and they actually took all the shells and made a shell jewelry box. Whether they were in college all the way to three years old, right? There's eight of them. They were all making these things. We call them Now, let me boxes. just tell you, personally, I thought that was a little weird. All right, it was like, do we really need to do this? I walked into my, Jenna's uh, bedroom. She's a, a, senior in high a senior in high school, and it's displayed proudly right in her bedroom. That's a big deal for it's her. That's her treasure box. You know, that's her treasure box. That's where she puts things in. And all the grandkids use it. 
So those kind of things, I need to uplift her. And, and, and he and, did. He helped. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was there for the whole thing. Sometimes kicking and screaming, but most of the time not. But, uh, but anyway, cherishing their efforts. It's, uh, it's such a big deal. Next one is, and this is a big one for Sue and I, taking your temperature. That's when, and I don't know if you guys are going to like this, but you sit down at the dinner table or go out to eat. And I ask, say go out to eat. And ask your spouse. You can, you can get chips and salsa for free and do this. That's right. And we've done that. Across the table. He talks great when we're across the table at each other. Just having free chips and salsa. Yeah. And we call it taking your temperature. This is something that we, we've been doing for a long time. And basically it is, how am I doing? How are we doing? How How's we it going? You know, how, how, how's our life right now? What's happening? You know, and we, we get to talk and open up a little bit, you know. And, uh, and I'll tell you, these last two years of retirement have been kind of crazy because it's new. You know, you think buying a new house is, is something, you know, new or having a child is something new and you keep going, right? Emily just had a little one that we just saw, a little guy, and uh, adorable. And uh, anyway, we got to see him crawling. But anyway, all that, when you, when you look at that, um, th those are all things new. And, and, and so when you look at retirement, you're not collecting a paycheck anymore. That's a little more stressful than you think. Did you do it right? You got every, your ducks lined up? Is everything right? Your, your investment's right? Are they doing okay? And all that stuff. That's as, as much pressure as anything else. You know, but we just... We're, gonna, we're somewhere else now, you know? So anyway, checking your temperature, not just on how am I doing, Sue? How am I treating you and stuff? How are we doing, period? Mm -hmm. You know, how are we and doing? I want to say, if any of you have children at home, this one is crucial, crucial, because you get so busy. You know, you're running here, this one's going off, this one's got to go to soccer, this camp, that camp, music lessons, blah, blah, blah. And you, I mean, you barely come together, at, you know, just at nighttime and you fall asleep, you know, that type of thing. So it's, you know, take that time to just, like I said, free chips and salsa, go to the, you know, go out to, and just say, how are we doing? How are we doing? Right. And, and it's super it important what she just mentioned. That's, that's a super big deal because we see that a lot of our friends growing up in New Hampshire are not married anymore. And they all lived right next to us. They all lived in the same neighborhood, you know, all of that. So it's not the demographics. It's not this. You can't chart it. It's just they started falling out of love with each other. They had so many things to do with their kids, they forgot about them, the, the, each other. The devil would like to keep you busy. Yeah. And you know, I mean, there are times, and Tim might, Tim might kind of kind of flinch on this one a little bit. There are times when our kids were little, we would drop them off at church mm -hmm. and we would leave and we'd go talk. On Wednesday nights, on free chips and salsa. <laughs> but let me tell you something. Yeah. yeah. Let me tell you though, some of the sweetest times, just so we could talk because I was working a lot, she's doing her thing, the kids are busy, we dropped them off at church. Now, you know, we, we serve in the church, believe me, but it was, it was a, well, a was time a or a season in our life where we needed to do that. Yeah. He was the director of um, Sunday schools department yeah. at, at our church at the time. So we were very busy on Sundays and things like that. Wednesdays, they had a wana, and they wanted us to be a part of that. And we were like, 
Sorry, guys. Sorry night. Sorry night. You better go. Yeah, and it worked. It really did. So that's, that's um, so the other one is spend quality time with each other. In this one, you know, I can say a lot of them we failed and all that. This one, we really focused on. We dated often, and we went away at least quarterly. Yeah. And if that quarter, now we lived, we lived in New Hampshire. We were 45 minutes from the main coast. In the, yeah, in the New Hampshire coast. So we would take off for just a weekend. The grandparents would watch the kids, and we would take off and just spend a Friday night and a Saturday um, away once a quarter. It was huge. I mean, just spending that time, hanging out together and all that, and then we would date often. I mean, and now I hear this in the church a lot. They talk about this. I can tell you we did it, and we did it for a long time. We still do. And, um, you know, now we just go away for longer, you know. <laughs> but uh, it really, and, you know, we don't have to relearn how to talk to each other. You know what I mean? It's like, well, I haven't seen you in two weeks, and, you know, what do we want to say? We're doing it all the time, and it's so important that you do that. And, you know, so anyway, spending quality time. The next one is um, compliment each other. Simple compliments. Here's where Sue and uh, Sue's mom and dad, it was more of a dig. They used to dig at each other all the time. They'd make fun of each other. It used to drive me crazy because I don't want to fall into that trap of, of doing that. And if, you, if any of you have a marriage like that where you kind of, you know, little digs here and little digs there, stop it. I mean, that's all I can tell you. Don't like slowly get out of it. Don't do it because it's the worst thing that can happen to a marriage because it gives the devil a foothold, all right? And you start doing that and, you know, little jokes. If you need a good uh, scripture, Proverbs 14, 1 says, a wise woman builds up her home and a foolish one with her own hands tears it down. And so for me, coming from a home that was constantly being torn down, you know, tearing it down, um, I had to focus on building, building my husband up, building my children up, and that's the verse I hung on to was a wise woman built up her own. And the next one is help them. I mean, we all need help me with my computer, right? Yeah. Help, we need help uh, in a lot of things that we do. And we need to discuss it. Don't go out there thinking, I've got to get some weeding done in the yard, but I don't see her helping me. So I'm just going to go out there, I'm going to weed the whole yard, and she's not going to even help me, and blah, 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 blah. And we can get into that funk. We really can. Instead of just saying, I'm going to work in the yard tomorrow. I'm actually going to communicate. Watch this. I'm going to work in the yard tomorrow. Can you give me a hand for a couple hours getting the weeding done around the pool? That's it. But the enemy wants you not to, he doesn't want you to do that. He just wants you to assume she's just going to come out and help you. Right? And then you're going to go, and I'm pulling the weeds, and I'm out there for three hours, and she's not here. And it's amazing. I don't even get a drink of water. She didn't even come out to see me, you know, all that stuff. I mean, we can get into it and get into it. It's just crazy. So help one another and communicate, please. And then the next one is respect your differences. Being married doesn't mean seeing eye to eye. It's perfectly all right to be different. My mom, when I was growing up, ironed my underwear and my T-shirts. That's the way I grew up. So I figured, I figured, hey. Right? She's going to do the same thing. He had to get used to it didn't happen. All right? So, you know, there was some discussions going on there, you know? 
My, that's just my mom and stuff, but we, we're all different, you know? Respect, Respect your differences. Being married doesn't mean you're going to see eye to eye. And, you know, to make your spouse feel cherished, it's, it's respecting those differences. Number nine is do not try to change your spouse. That's where prayer comes in. You don't know how many times Sue will say to me, John, I've been really praying about this, and I think we, we really should do this. And I'll immediately say no. No. We don't want to do that. He always I'm not kidding you. I do it all it's the time. Not, I'll think about it. No. It's not, we're not going to do that. Prayed about it. It's, no. So then, now try doing no, that, just... and then try doing that, and go have a quiet time after that. <laughs> so I'll go up in the bedroom upstairs, and I'll. Um, and what, I'll, what I'll, I say when you say that? You'll pray about it. I'll pray about it. <laughs> so then I go upstairs, and I and I having my quiet time, and you know. Whatever I'm reading, I can't read because God's convicting me the whole time. You know, I mean, the whole time. So finally, I have to leave, go downstairs and say, you know, I was thinking, yeah, you're probably right. Maybe we should do that. And then I'm kind of freed up again, you know. But anyway, it happens yeah. more often than I would like to uh, say. Yeah. But um, so anyway, um, that's a biggie right there. And then the last one is be sensitive to their needs. We're all needy. Each one of us needs a relationship. Something that, is, that may not be as important to you may value your spouse big time. And, you've got to, and that's where checking your temperature really works. Um, and you know, lastly, I just, this, this is further down, but making cherishing your spouse a habit. And you know, bad habits are hard to break. You need to make good habits, yeah. all right? You need to make good habits. You really need to be thinking, how can I cherish my wife? How can I cherish my husband in a better way? We were going to close with and Start that. small, too. Okay. We were going to close with the, the second page here. Where this is out of Gary Thomas's um, book on Cherish, and I just thought it was a great example of what the difference between love and cherish is. Love was taken, he takes out of 1 Corinthians 13. Cherish, he takes out of Song of Solomon. And I was going to have fun with you guys, but it's, it's already passed. I was going to have the guys read the love part and the girls read the cherish part. So if you guys want to do that at home, feel free. Go ahead and try it. Mm. But, uh, but anyway, go over that because it, it's really a great example of the, the differences between. And what he says down at the bottom is really true. It's not a competition. It, they complete one another. They're not competing with each other. So, okay.